in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And just like that, we are back, Jake, after it's been a minute. It's been a minute yes. since we've uh, popped back into the airways. We're back. We're here. It's happening. It's now. Hello, everybody. Hello. It's, it feels good, Jake, to be back in the saddle again or on the saddle again. Is it on or in? I, I think that if you're just talking physics, you sit on a saddle, but I believe that the uh, the the in the parlance of our times it would be in the saddle back in the saddle again as the song yeah. goes or with, with on the saddle not within with on <laughs> something yeah anyway we're hopping back on we took we took an unintentional hiatus for a week and uh we are back ready to discuss all things geeky nerdery comic book tastic yeah it's uh it's an exciting time, and I, and I say that frequently, but it's a very exciting time right now because, you know, our, our credibility, I, I really feel like our credibility as nerds is at an all-time high, and I say that every year, and then somehow it gets higher, and like, <laughs> listen, people, okay, it's us. We're driving the bus now in pop culture, and I don't know when this thing ends because I didn't think it would go this long, but we're going to ride this thing as long as we can. And you're just along for the ride. If you're not one of us and that's okay. We welcome you with open arms. Please join our bus. And speaking of which, if we are driving the bus, we are talking tonight about more DC oriented stuff. So I'm, I'm a touch concerned that maybe this is the bus from speed and we are a ticking time bomb (laughs) traveling at an incredible rate. And we are going to reach a horrible, horrible conclusion. Can I say how horrified and delighted I am that that might be the best possible analogy for DC's like DC's multimedia approach to the DCEU the the I mean it's like it's the bus from speed and if we go under a certain speed everything's going to blow up but as long as we keep moving we're going to be okay and maybe just maybe the secret to saving everybody is Keanu Reeves. I, you know, he's got to show up in one of these things eventually, right? Like let's, let's pause the jokes and everything. And let me be real with you that he is a major comic book fan. I'm pretty sure he has Dr. Manhattan tattooed on himself. And I mean, why he's wouldn't he be if here? If there, if there was any famous person in the free thinking world that was going to have a Dr. Manhattan tattoo, it would be like the short list is really short. It's just Keanu Reeves, right? Like well, that's all that's the list. I feel like it's him or it's Nicolas Cage. I can't remember which it is that is like such a comic fan that he got. But I mean, I guess like Keanu Reeves and Nicolas Cage, aren't you talking about like two two sides of the same delirious coin there. Like yeah, Nick, Nick Cage is a huge comic fan. I believe he even had one of the Superman number ones at one point, according to, uh, uh, you know, very trusted internet research. <laughs> uh, very, and if you can't hear it in my voice, the very trusted is in air quotes, heavy, heavy <laughs> air quotes. But I posited on our Twitter like a week or two ago, um, if we cast Keanu Reeves in a comic book flick that was not Constantine, which character yes. would you choose? And shout out to Marvel Universe MMO with the greatest response ever when they said Mark Spector. Uh, I mean, I I was brainstorming it and I was going to weigh in. And then I read that tweet and I was like, oh, no, this discussion ended prematurely. Okay. And because it's right. It's the correct Science answer. 
Man, it I want to see that think, movie. I really do. And I want to see it done by the right people, more importantly. Right? But yeah, I want to oh, see man. that movie. Um, but anyway, Jake, we're here to talk about the what the heckness that is more coming from the DC EU Warner Brothers Empire. And before we recorded, I think you summed it up perfectly when you said uh, we we know a lot of things, and in the end, we know nothing. Yeah, I I mean, and and this is the the you know our discussion before we hit the record button here. And I think we do this most weeks where we start to get going and then we're like, oh, no, 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 save it for the podcast. Um, and, and I think that's both our greatest strength and weakness. They're like, we would totally just have these conversations if no one was listening. Um, <laughs> exactly. We just, we just <laughs> happen to live in a time when, one, we're driving the bus and, two, the bus has an internet connection, so why not? <laughs> that's exactly right. It's one of those tour buses. Um It's so weird because if you – like I've got – just for for – research sake i i pulled up right before we started recording here five different pages full of information about what we know about the dc universe streaming service and yet when i finished reading all of those you know i i just didn't walk away saying oh wow i know everything about that i walked away saying wow there's a i have a lot of more questions than i approached it with I feel like it's almost kind of like what Apple is doing with all their TV acquisitions. They've spent all this money with all these high profile things, promising these wonderful things for the last like year and a half and still haven't produced anything. So it's like, yeah, cool. Like theoretically (laughs) great idea. Do I have anything right now? Mm, Not really sure. But what we're here talking about is the DC universe, which is the name of the streaming service that launches in, by the time you're listening to this, probably three days, September 15th (laughs) is when it's launching. And they sure have made an awful lot of announcements of stuff. And I guess, Jake, I want to start off with this. It's really fascinating to me that they are going to launch this thing a good month before their first promised quote unquote amazing original content gets dropped in October. And then like five, six months before anything else original is going to come with it. I guess we're assuming that the comic book access and then the access to back catalog is going to be enough to get people to jump on for a cold 30 days without anything fresh to watch. Like, Am I understanding that correctly? So I actually want to comment on that because I think that, uh, right off the bat, and I and this is one of those things that I swore to myself I wouldn't let it become the whole episode, but I think it bears mentioning that the biggest – there's a lot to like in this. I'm not going to just dog on the this service all night, but the biggest swing and a miss that I have seen in a very long time in the comic book world as far as the business end of things is the comic book content that comes with the DC Universe streaming service because this should have been – the biggest slam dunk ever. Because here's the thing, for people who don't know, people who don't know a ton about it, Marvel has, it's, it's, they have a service called Marvel Unlimited that, you know, Marvel Unlimited is kind of unwieldy sometimes. It's not the best designed catalog ever as far as searching and user friendliness. But if you know what you're looking Boom. for. Gloves are off. Jake going at it. I, I really, man, it's just, but if you know what you're looking for, Marvel Unlimited is almost the entire Marvel catalog of comic books available digitally for about 8 to $10 a month. I forget exactly what it is. I should check my bank statement. And um, <laughs> it's it, everything that's new takes six months to come out. 
So that way you still got an incentive to go and support your local comic book store. But if you are like me and you have two children and a wife and a mortgage and a hairless cat to keep in bonbons, then you need you can't buy every comic. And so that six month delay is not the end of the world. Marvel Unlimited is a great idea. It needs refining. But what it needs more than anything is a DC counterpoint. Because part of what's been going on for the last, I want to say, 10, 20 years in the comic book industry is that there is an increasing, and it's not a crisis yet, but it's going to be if it's not addressed, there's an increasing failure to understand the modern distribution. And you have all of these crackpot theories out there about why sales are where they are, and some of them have some value. Most are crackpot theories. The reality is that we are in a different economy than we were 15, 20 years ago. Subscription what? services, right? I know. It's as if time has moved forward. And Give this, give this man a Nobel Prize. <laughs> Subscription services are one of the number one ways to move products these days. And Marvel had the foresight to say we need that. They have not worked out all the kinks yet. It's got a ways to go, but it's a great product. DC announced, people for years have been asking, where's our DC Unlimited? Where's the DC version of Marvel Unlimited? DC announced a while back that this streaming service they're releasing is going to include a digital catalog subscription. Everybody was like, that's amazing. That's what we've been waiting for. And I seriously was like, oh, yeah, I'm signing up. Get it for me. Yeah, see, that's, that's the thing. It's like they okay, they announced this in April 2017. So yes. we've been sitting – by the time it launches in a few days, it'll be a year and a half. We've been sitting on this news. Right. And I think – I get – maybe this gets to the crux of the matter. The few times we've touched on the DC Warner Brothers-ness of everything, which is maybe they just have the wrong people handling their optics and the wrong people in the marketing departments of the – of that entire empire. Cause here's the deal. Uh, I'm not saying that the streaming service isn't a bad idea. And I'm not saying that it's going to be awful because it's obviously a nice added perk, especially for seven 99 a month. But correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, but I don't know about you. What everything I have seen for these last 18 months has been almost exclusively geared towards um, the watchable pieces and very little spoken to the, the readable pieces. And I would well, think, I, I would think that you would want to at least, I mean, I'm a marketing professional who also get, who gets paid to write words and strategize. Like this is my job. It's my nine to five, right? Like I would think you would want to balance that a little bit more because you've got a wider audience beyond just the fact of, I want to see Robin say the F word. <laughs> well, and here's, Here's where this is a swing and a miss. So you nailed it. You're exactly right. But let me add for you one more monkey wrench in the whole works. It's not the whole back catalog. It is a, quote, curated monthly catalog, meaning you can read these comics that we thought you might want to read, not our entire back catalog. So if you get into this thing and you – and they haven't said what curated means yet – but it doesn't matter because it is exclusionary. It's not going to be enough. Let's say you get into this thing, and spoilers for later in the episode, Swamp Thing excites me. Let's say you start watching that, and it's as good as I hope it's going to be. And you say, I want to go back and read Alan Moore's Saga of the Swamp Thing, which is one of the very best things ever written in comics. Well, what if it's not on there? It hasn't been curated this month. And so instead, what you're going to get is maybe a more modern take on Swamp Thing that's okay, but you had a chance to dive in and get the whole back catalog and see 
in Saga of the Swamp Thing, a true art form version of comics, a truly artistic take on it and a great take on comics. And you're not going to get that. And so there's an opportunity to finally tie to do what no one has been able to do, not even Marvel and Disney, and to tie the increased interest in these properties to better sales for the flagship product, which is the comic book. It was there. It was theirs for the taking, and they swung and they missed. And it drives me crazy, Mitch. I'm, I'm not – okay, so here we go. I, here's where we disagree. I'm, and maybe not disagree for good, but disagree for now. I'm not – I'm not 100% for sure if I'm completely on that boat, and here's why. There is something to be said just from from a purely marketing perspective and the different strategies that are out there, all right? Um, There is something to be said about the exclusivity of it, and there there, there are countless successful examples of this concept of, a, a wide variety of something, but your experience is limited and it is a carousel of things and it, and it piques the interest and it keeps your appetite wet and people keep going back for it because of that model. I mean, a, a gross example of that is the McDonald's McRib. You know, Netflix even does this. <laughs> now, granted, Netflix's library is magnanimously humongous, but they remove and they add every single month and, it's, and, it, and it takes on a whole new news cycle of itself when they release what's going to be coming a few weeks before the new month hits and what's leaving and all that sort of stuff there's so i'm going to play devil's advocate and say from a purely marketing standpoint this is a very strategic and intentional decision and it could be brilliant um just because one it is a proven model and two it depends on how they handle this backlog how they handle this quote-unquote curated experience because like you said it would make sense to me that especially the month or two that the swamp thing show drops that they need to upload the Alan Moore Swamp thing because they released this week actually that most of the show is going to be inspired by that run, right? Like you would want that to be part of the curated experience. Also, I haven't been able to find out much detail yet. Maybe it's out there and I'm just a lazy reader. I haven't found much detail yet that says how the actual curated experience is going to be put together. Because if it is something like Netflix where you have this big back catalog and it just kind of cycles through different phases and it syncs up with whatever is going to be released and it's like you notice some things drop off but maybe it's not a lot. Or what if they only have 100 titles available for a month and then the full 100 is gone and it's a new 100 in a month. Like Depending on how the curated process goes is – I think the linchpin on whether this piece of the whole portion is worthwhile or not, because Marvel has already set the standard, right? They've, they've unleashed the gate. The gate is unlocked. You can go in and you can have at it. The buffet is ready. Go. But if the curated experience from DC universe is lackluster, then it'll probably fail faster than anybody anticipated. I think that I just think this might be a big piece of it, but I'm, I don't know. I'm not ready to say just because Marvel has everybody's availability doesn't mean that this doesn't work, but they're going to be walking on eggshells with it. Yeah, I think so to take your point and to kind of run with it, I I think you, you make the very good point that we don't know. So I might be, so to be fair, I could be overreacting to the word curated, and I could be assuming that it means something bad when maybe it means something good. Um, may, maybe what they mean by curated is, hey, 
we've been doing Superman a really long time. Maybe you don't need every single issue that ever happened. Maybe you can skip some of that Silver Age stuff where he's burning robes and slapping Lois on the front page, you know? Um, but I think that I, I just... The, the idea that there could have been this whole... I think for me, it's that frustration about what could have been, you know? Because even if it's curated in a really intelligent way. And even if curated means really good stuff, I I still think that there's, there's just, I don't know. I mean, cause it's not like you were going to cannibalize yourself because who's going out and buying those silver age comics and DC seeing the money. They're not, you know? And I, I just look at it and I think there could have been something here that could have been, a really great service that absolutely would have driven the, I don't know. I think it would have driven the, the streaming service so well. And to me, there's this letdown with the word curated that has really dampened a lot of my excitement about it. But I think that's totally fair. And I think think you make a good point too, as well about this whole thing with, um, this whole thing with, you know, curated, we don't know what that means. And that can be both good and bad. And I think you make a really good point there. Well, when, when things are packaged like this, when anything new that is going to be affecting the masses and is something that is consumable is rolled out. I mean, the whole concept is you're thinking the people that are behind the scenes that are packaging this up before they launch it, all the all the brain trusts that put their money and their manpower and their creativity behind this, they're thinking it through the lens of what is the customer experience? What is the consumer experience? And it's possible. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying it's going to be awful. I'm just saying it's possible that the experience of the curated model can be, it can be, what's the word I'm looking for? Like euphoric and intriguing enough to where that experience is something that keeps people in their subscription. And I'm assuming that is the motivation that DC is taking um, instead of just doing something different for the sake of being different, which is not a good motivation. But the, the curated experience can be done in a way where the experience is part of the thing that keeps you drawn there. Also, maybe they're trying to reach a little bit of that Venn diagram, maybe lean a little bit more to the middle of the people that both are you know, casual fans of the of the watching and casual fans of the reading and maybe fusing the two. And maybe they've got some research that says there's a lot more money to be had there, but I'm, I'm right there with you. The easier choice would have been to open the floodgates and everyone would have been happy. And that seems to be the low hanging fruit. And what I'm wary of is this, is it going to be a good curated experience or is it going to be a movie pass situation where it's a wonderful thing in theory? (laughs) And then the wounds are so fresh for you. They are so they are so fresh, man. It was both the love of my life and the one that got away. Movie pass, um, but it, is it going to be one of those things where it's really great and people are hooked and you give it a chance and you're patient, or is it going to be one of those things where the concept was so wonderful that people wanted it so badly and the taste in their mouths was so foul with how poorly it was constructed or implemented that the outcry forces them to make on the fly changes, thus weakening the reputation and the service itself to a point where it crumbles. I mean, we've literally seen that with movie pass within the last six weeks. That's exactly what has happened. They hit the panic button 
and they're making willy-nilly changes because people are giving them bad feedback because portions of their model was bad and they're not handling it well. And it's just making them lose subscribers like they're cutting off limbs and they can't they can't carterize the bleeding. I, I think that's the worst case scenario. And that's still fresh in my mind for a myriad of reasons. So I'm wary of that, but just from a marketing perspective, I do, I do want to give them a little bit of hope that says, what if they've given us a wonderful curated experience? What if, what if it is a monumental thing? Cause it could be, that's what Netflix was and Netflix continues to be. Um, but that's a lofty, lofty goal. And I think, the undercurrent for much of what we're saying, Jake, correct me if I'm wrong, just stems from the concept of DC could probably be summed up with this tagline, which is, man, we're trying really hard and we almost got there. <laughs> I So this brings me to, I, I really wanted to get into some of the shows tonight. So I, I don't want to take up too much more of our time with this, but I do want to talk on the big picture of the DC universe here. There's a few different ways that I'm looking at this, and there's a few different questions that I don't think the answers are readily available. Um, but I, I have to ask out loud two things, and they're connected questions, but they might not necessarily sound like it. The first is, has Netflix raised our expectations too high for these kind of services? And my second question is, does this thing have to meet those expectations right out of the gate to be successful? And so to elaborate on that, and I'll keep it short, but I think that Netflix, you get so much content and so much of it is high quality for so little money that we've started saying, because this DC universe is going to launch with so much content, at least if you consider you're only paying $8 a month. And, but at the same time, it's such a good value just in that way of looking at it. But if I'm going to look at it in terms of, yeah, I'm not paying much more than that for Netflix and I'm getting Stranger Things and I'm getting Jessica Jones and I'm getting all these movies and I'm getting the Great Bake- the great British Bake Off, um, which is awesome. Which, by the way, the, the greatest binge watchable thing on all of Netflix is the Great British uh, Baking Show. I, I, I just love it. Oh, my gosh. Um, I want a handshake from Paul Hollywood. Anyway, um, I see that, but then I also say – What's the financials here, really? How much is Warner Brothers dumping into this, and what do they need to make it profitable, and when does it need to be profitable? Because the reality is this is a business decision. How Can they take a loss on this thing for a while? Can they afford to build it brick by brick, and it does not matter what we think in those first 30 days before they get original content out? Because once the original content hits, they're going to get closer to profitability. Does that, you know, am I going to Shark Tank on that? Or? No, 100%. I have a couple a couple nuggets for you. Yeah, get this it out harkens back, This harkens back to the movie pass comparison, and what what gives me hope that it won't be another movie passes because DC and Warner brothers have such deep pockets. That's exactly the model. What ha- what happened with movie pass was that it was a brilliant idea. Philosophically, it was wonderful and it's a super sweet service. The problem is, is they didn't figure out how to monetize it correctly in a, in a timely enough manner to a point where they just started bleeding money. Cause essentially what happens with movie pass is you, 
in its purest form. You pay the $9 a month and that gets you one movie. And then all the other movies that you're using for free, MoviePass fits the bill. And they were hoping to develop different types of partnerships with different organizations, movie companies, movie houses, and all these sorts of things, advertising agencies, whatnot, to offset that cost. And it just didn't work. And it got to a point where they had so many users using it so often that they couldn't pay off essentially all the movies that people were using. DC and Warner Brothers isn't going to have that problem, at least not in the way that at least not in the short term that they would that movie pass had movie pass didn't really have much infrastructure to lean on dc and warner brothers or dc and warner brothers you know like so i i think they'll be able to cut their teeth a little bit in theory as long as the fan base will be patient with them here's here's one thing we need to keep in the back of our minds um we are about to reach the apex of the streaming wars 2019 to 2020 is going to be like guerrilla warfare as far as streaming wars are concerned. <laughs> and because the Disney service is going oh, to be launched, Disney thing, ESPN plus is going to be even bigger and going to be demanding more attention. Netflix is already arguably you can make the case. I make the case that Netflix is the best original content producer of all the both traditional and streaming networks out there. You've got Hulu, which is in partnership with Comcast, um, all, all of this sort of stuff. DC's launching theirs. It's only going to be a matter of time before um, you know other subsidiaries. And so, and you've got the different ones that are smaller time already. Like there's a horror one that you could pay for. It gives you this amazing horror back catalog. I think it's called Shutter or something like that. There are all these different services. So here's what I'm getting at. 2019 to 2020 is going to look like Vietnam where we're just – mass chaos we don't know what we're doing and we're sending people in and we're just going to be losing money left and right and we're going to be super confused and everybody's going to be missing out on stuff and no one's going to be talking about the same thing what's going to happen after that probably in the range between 2022 and 2025 maybe even earlier than that is we're going to have this streamlining is eventually the consumer base is going to say i don't have any more money for services for for monthly services to be added to my pile and supply and demand is going to look very very different and people are going to be losing money organizations and companies are going to be losing money at an incredible rate and then the consolidation contracts are going to come in the joining forces is going to come in and then we're going to have like a hulu maybe join forces with something like a dc universe or pick up shutter or something like that and then up their monthly price a couple of bucks netflix is going to absorb things and then we're just going to have like these two or three really really big fat sumo wrestlers in the ring that are all about five dollars more per month than we originally were paying for but it'll give us you know a little bit more reasonable options i think that is where we're headed so ultimately i think if my theory holds firm we'll check back you know in five to six years so hold me (laughs) to it everybody if dc holds true what they're probably hoping for is to be strong enough to make it through the guerrilla warfare phase in order to have enough capital and enough viewership and enough popularity and enough credence to then latch on to something else like a hulu and a comcast and say Take us in, let us be a part of your catalog, up your monthly price a little bit, uh, and then we'll just live here and we'll give you this. Well, and isn't um, isn't Disney going to get a good chunk of Hulu when they buy Fox? 
Um, not necessarily. Oh, that, okay. That, yeah. So that, that hasn't, I, to my knowledge, I don't think that has necessarily been decided upon. What's happened is, is um, I believe Hulu and Fox, man, I'm probably going to butcher this. Correct me if I'm wrong on Twitter, everybody. <laughs> Hulu and Fox have some of the same board members or something like that. Like there's, there's leadership that has overlapped. I'm not 100% for sure what the financials are on one of the, on, on, um, who gets what pieces of the pie or if leadership is running both or who, what under umbrella is going to be under what, what. Um, so th- that's kind of up in the air, I believe still, but I think that's ultimately where we're going is all, the, all these different ones are going to be a free for all. And you're just going to have, you know, like a do- literally a dozen different streaming options that all may seem um, somewhat attractive in their own right. And eventually everyone's going to say like, guys, I only have so much money. There's only so much I can have. And th- there's going to be a consolidation process that happens after that. And I just don't know if DC universe is going to have the kind of legs to be able to survive beyond that. If it even doesn't struggle out of the gate, that was a lot right there. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it absolutely does. No, that, that helps clear that up a little bit. That That's my theory. It just, it seems to me like that's, and I've heard people like Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald on their podcast talk about this a little bit too. Like this seems to be the overall thing. Eventually it's going to be, okay, everyone roll out your thing. Here's our shiny new toy, pay for it, give it a ride. And then eventually people are going to say like, I, I, I can't add anymore. I can't. Yeah. And w- w- what happens after that? Right. Yeah. Cause there is, there is a critical mass that like, I know myself, I am fast approaching. Um, Cause I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, to I'm actually looking at in the near future, possibly trying to uh, trying to take my comic book habit and turn it digital, just for for financial reasons. And I mean, that's going to mean some subscriptions, and that's going to mean, you know. So yeah, I mean, I'm reaching critical mass because I'm at the point where now I have to stop and ask, wait, do I subscribe to that? And that's where we have a problem when I cannot mm-hmm. stop and remember, wait, do I have access to that? And that's where I have to stop and say, okay maybe time to time to slow down. And I think, I think it's reasonable, but you think about like, okay, I have, I have Spotify, I have Hulu, I have Netflix, I have Amazon prime. All of them are the lowest levels that are available where it's like, it's one screen at a time or one streaming at a time. Um, that sort of thing, because right now with the way my family dynamic is, we can get away with that. My daughter's only two and, uh, the wife and I really rarely if we're watching something by ourselves, we're rarely watching it on the same platform or listening to it at the same time. So we, we can do that, but even, and we don't have cable and we don't have any of the extra like HBO add-ons or anything like that. But even still, it's like, okay, so you got Hulu, Netflix, Spotify, and Amazon plus your monthly internet bill in order to run everything. Right. So that, that in and of itself is essentially, almost the same monthly price that you would pay for if you had internet plus a premium cable package provided by direct TV or spectrum or something like that. So, um, what, what, what room do we have left to add is, is going to be that ultimate question for most average John Q users. You know, it's like, okay, so if we want to jump into DC universe, that's another eight bucks a month that adds up the Marvel Disney thing. If we want to do that, that's going to be another, it's going to start off probably about six or seven bucks a month. Cause they say they're going to be cheaper than Netflix, but that'll last, you know, a whole grand total of five minutes, but still, you know, it's <laughs> like we're, we're eventually going to pile up and it's eventually going to be an issue. And every, every, every family or every user is going to have that 
that point where it's like, okay, this is what I'm paying for. This is my breaking point. I can't go beyond that. And that doesn't even touch. Like I don't have gaming systems in my house. I don't have a digital subscription service to comic books in my house. A lot of, a lot of these other consumer households have more than what we have. I feel mine is probably uh, reminiscent of pretty middle of the road. And even still it's, it's starting to get higher. So Ultimately, this this larger conversation is DC's got a streaming service. We're going to see what it looks like. It's got a very short shelf life to see if it can stay afloat with the big boys because eventually it's going to ride or die, even if it's a good service. Man, we got we're this is this is another one of those nights. Where I'm like, this is a way smarter conversation than I expected. We've really gone into the business end of things here. <laughs> so, uh, you know, make your stock picks accordingly, everybody. Yeah, so uh, Forbes, you, know, you can make the checkout to watching comics. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so, oh, go ahead. Let's let's move to the the streaming stuff. All right. Yes. Um, there there are two there are two specifically I wanted to hit on, and I think they're probably the same two that were towards the top of your list. But um, we definitely have to comment on the f bomb dropping Robin and Titans yes. <laughs> and. We definitely have to drop Swamp Thing because I have a feeling that if I under if I know you the way I think I do, Jake, and I know you know me the way you think you do, um, <laughs> even even if every single component of this DC Universe streaming service just seemed like absolute junk and we weren't interested in it, we would still entertain the idea of getting it just to watch Swamp Thing, right? Yeah, I mean, so the way I approached this portion of our conversation is I have in my head um, one I'm thrilled for one I'm worried about and a wild card that I think could go either way is kind of how I came at this. And it is, yeah, you nailed it. My one I'm excited about. I'm thrilled for, I was already hoping when they said just this past week, that swamp thing is going to be based on Alan Moore's run. And we have, and it's going to be R rated material. Uh, yes. And like, I, I don't believe in just slapping an R rating on things just because, you know, I don't, I, I think, I don't know. There's all these calls for all these things. Deadpool does it effectively. I thought Logan, it was hit and miss, largely hit though. Um, but I don't buy into this, like, just give it an R rating. It's going to be so much better. Swamp Thing, if it's especially if it's the Alan Moore one, it needs an R rating. It needs to be true to its horror roots. It needs to be really edgy and really messed up at some points. And they are convincing me slowly that they are going to do justice. And we have sat here and salivated together over Alan Moore's work in the past. Um, so I'm not going to make everybody relive that. I just... He is, he is the grand wizard and greatest of all of us. And, and like I think I say this every time we mention anything of his, but Swamp Thing might be one of his best pieces. Um, I think it's... Uh, oh, man. Um, Kevin Smith on his fat man on Batman podcast has said several times that that's his favorite comic ever written. Like it's the best one he's ever read is Alan Moore's run on swamp thing. And I can't, I, dis- it's I, mean, up I can't there. disagree with that. It was, it was more at the peak of his powers writing with an obscure character that didn't have an awful lot of mythology tied to him yet. So he was really free to be as unflinching as he wanted to be without yeah. worrying about, um, you know, any of the other stuff that he had to bring in that was previously existing. It was like, it, it's almost like he, like, I don't know, maybe it just depends on when you get to the character. To me, when I envision Swamp Thing, that's my model is the Alan Moore model, because to me, it's like, well, if I, 
I mean, Alan Moore did Swamp Thing. Like he, he practically created it, right? Yeah. So th- th- that's the standard of which I compare. Whereas his run, his his brief run for Superman, great among some of the best Superman issues I've ever read, you know, came literally four and a half decades after Superman was already a thing. You have a little bit you have a little bit more limitation when it comes to that, especially with more who is, I mean, modestly, I say wildly creative, innovative <laughs> and inventive to a level that most people can't even anticipate. So swamp thing seems like it was a great playground for him to just explore his Alan Moreness um, more than a lot of others. Yeah. And it's, man, it just, it gets so good. And it really, it's such a fascinating character piece. And one thing that has me really excited is that they said they want to explore this one from the perspective of Abby Arcane, who is, um, for those who aren't up to speed on your Swamp Thing, um, she is typically Swamp Thing's love interest and the daughter of his arch enemy. Um, and so, the, but to explore it through her perspective allows Swamp Thing to be himself a creature of horror, even if he's a heroic one. And it allows him to be this force of nature as much as a character. And I think that's really smart if they can do that with the right touch and approach it correctly. There's, there's, It's got so much potential. I'm so psyched for Swamp Thing. And I, I'm serious, you're exactly right. I might be subscribing to this service just to watch that. I, I'm I'm tempted just to do that because I, I really want to see it. and the showrunners behind it have have a have a pretty decent track record too um with being involved in things like the conjuring and um Daredevil and, and stuff like that. So I think I think there's a lot of promise there. I'm looking forward to it. And it's listed on IMDB as a horror sci-fi, which yeah. which is exactly what it needs to be. And the latest news that came out this week about it is very encouraging. I I want it, and they officially released in a statement saying that it is not necessarily going to be tied to the rest of any DCEU lore, which is music to my ears, so we can just let Swamp Thing be Swamp Thing. And I'm hoping if the DC Universe service has legs, that this will be kind of one of its flagship things. I know that they're pitching Titans as their big, big thing, but that's that's the marketing PR side of it, because it's like everyone's familiar with Robin, and everyone wants to see an edgier, well, in theory, wants to see an edgier side of him and we'll get to that in a minute but i think as far as quality and potential for it to last because of the real estate it could be working with and its lack of um invisible strings tying it to other things that it doesn't necessarily need to be tied to i think swamp thing really does have the makings to be a tentpole for this service well, and it's it's also the right I, I think it's not just I, I agree hundred percent. And I think it's not just that it's going it's they're saying all the right things about it to make me think it's gonna be really high quality. They may also, I think, be coming in that rare that rare crossover in the Venn diagram where it's both the right project and the right time. Because we are in, and we talked about this a lot on our Spawn episode, we're in kind of a renaissance of horror right now, thanks to, play, you know, largely thanks to Blumhouse. Um, and The Conjuring's been a part of that. And, and it's the right time where horror is being treated not necessarily as just 
and, and, and Friday the 13th is fun in its own way. And Nightmare on Elm Street, I've got that weird nerd respect for the classic slasher stuff. But we've reached this point where we're starting to treat horror a little bit more intelligently, the same way we are comic stuff. And that intersection at this time with the right creative team and the right take, it, I see... I'm trying not to get too excited because God knows I've been hurt before Iron Fist, but I think that I see all the right ingredients starting to come together for something truly unique and truly special there. I'm very excited for Swamp Thing. I think that's um, – I really don't have anything to add. I think you, that's <laughs> – no, that's the tipping point right there is also is it going to be well-received because it's timely. And I, I think the intersection that it rests upon right now – there may not be a better time for it to both be reinvented and to be embraced by the people waiting for it. Um, one last question about Swamp Thing, then we can move to the potty mouth Robin is <laughs> I believe I watched this on the IMDB video that they released today, actually with some updates on the Swamp Thing show. They, I believe the showrunners have officially said that Swamp Thing will be wearing a practical costume. It will not be all special effects. What are your thoughts? I didn't see that. That's so exciting. <laughs> That's so awesome. I feel uh, the same way. Because, you know, you want some special effects, but I mean, we've talked before how much I love good practical effects, how much of an art form it is, how awesome it is. Oh, my gosh. I really hope that's accurate. I really hope that's true. Yeah, so I, I would think that um, the reporting services of IMDb are trustworthy, more trustworthy than a lot of the, the rumor mill based blog boy yes. sectors of the comic book world online. Um, I, I trust IMDb and I'm 99% sure that's where I saw it was they had a clip today on the IMDb show. It's three minutes. They do these videos every day. And today's topic was swamp thing announcements. And it was in this video where they said that he would be wearing a, a practical physical costume. That's fantastic. Yep. I, I'm signing off on that as a good thing. Let's do it. All right. I'm in. We're tentatively, tentatively right now. We're all in on Swamp Thing. <laughs> if nothing else, it means that when when Swamp Thing is available um, at the beginning of uh, next year, that we, if we don't have the service, we'll sign up for it just to watch it, close it, and then when the new season comes out, we'll reopen. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm sort of like holding out on CBS All Access so that I can just use the free trial to binge everything possible on Star Trek Discovery. Um, this might end up being the same. Um, so talk to me about, we've hinted at a few times Titans, cause this is really where DC is really going all in on Titans. And, and part of that is just cause it's coming first, but you know, Titans has a little bit of brand recognition with, um, a lot of the target demographic here because of the teen Titans cartoon from, uh, the mid two thousands, um, and so Titans is going to try and draw on that brand recognition. It's going to try and take that and do something live action. That's maybe in that vein. What do you think about this? And especially you mentioned it, the trailer that ends with Nightwing slash Robin saying F Batman. So obviously the, tr the trailer is really all we have to go off of right now. And, yeah. and then a little bit of scuttlebutt online, but the trailer is the jewel here. That's, that's really what we're judging things off of. So off the trailer alone, this this is what makes me think like, man, DC is trying really hard. <laughs> um, 
I, I don't know, Jake, you tell me when I watch the trailer, I just get the sentiment of like, good idea. Conceptually, the approach could really work, but the way they executed it just made it seem like it was like that really over eager middle schooler that wants to impress <laughs> and be popular so badly. And it's like, instead of just making one stylistic choice, you made all five of them. And <laughs> you're, w- what you're presenting yourself as in school is just this hodgepodge of, a, of, of like overly axed body sprayed hair gelled mess and <laughs> it can see where you were going and i know exactly what you were inspired by to get there but the finished product just makes me go that bite of chocolate cake was just too sweet i can't have another one this is man i've been dreading this part of the talk because the reality is i don't know how i feel about titans i think that i think that the cartoon i, I watched when I was younger, I watched probably the first season or so that is based largely off of um, Marv Wolfman's run on Teen Titans with the Judas contract. Back, back um, in your youth. Yeah. <laughs> your young and carefree and slightly more haired days. Yeah, just a little bit more up top. Um, I was I was workshopping a few different beards back then. Um, but I I don't know. I I have some reservations about Titans. The first one is that I'm concerned that they're going to rehash the Marv Wolfman stuff again, which is, it's the best Titan. Like I'm not, I'm not knocking that story. That's the, that's the peak of the teen Titans, the Titans, that whole franchise peaks there. Um, The problem is that it was done right for an adaptation for the most part I mean, when you consider the time and you consider that it's on Cartoon Network and it's airing for a largely young audience. <laughs> that, that, that's, I think, so over that, the fact that we're, t- we're talking about an F-bomb dropping Robin and connecting it to a Cartoon right. Network. Like, yeah. That might be, might be a big question mark, maybe. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, to a certain extent, and that's the problem is I have these like thoughts going both ways because part of me says – you don't want to connect that with a franchise that's got that background. But then I think, well, but the people have grown up, maybe it's the right way to go with it. And then I think it just feels kind of juvenile. And then I think, yeah, but it also makes a statement. And I just keep going back both ways and back and forth and back and forth. And I keep landing on, I'm so on the fence with this project. The reason, and I'm not saying I'm not going to watch it. I'm not saying I'm going and expecting it to fail or hoping it will fail hardly. I hope it's great. It's just that the reason I'm leaning towards pessimism on it comes down to Judas contract was done correctly the first time. And then they did it again in a Mar in a DC animated film, like one, I think just a year ago or so. And so I'm not saying that's the story they're going to go with that. They haven't indicated that necessarily, but that's where almost all Titans adaptations end up going. And if they go that route, it's just, it's a well that I think might be running dry. And I have concerns about how, what are they going to show us? We haven't seen before. Like how many times is it going to be shocking when Tara betrays the team? And it turns out she was working for Deathstroke all along. Now the upside on this, you might get Deathstroke live action finally. So I don't know. I think the standard for this type of thing is Legion, which Mm. is a, a huge standard, but Legion currently on FX is um, you can make the case that it's the best comic book um, inspired TV that's currently running. Um, 
and it's and it's and it's got that quality of it is it, it it's darker it's grittier it's more emotional it's got a younger cast it's got that team up component it, it's got a lot of those things that this new installment of titans is going to be touching on but um just because you know the formula doesn't mean you know the correct answer i don't know like i'm i'm just worried with visually the the look of it most of it looked pretty good in the trailer but the dialogue was really poor and it just it seemed like they were trying so hard to push edginess rather than push narrative and character yeah that i i'm worried that we're going to be in for a whole bunch of flash and smoke and mirrors rather than something that's just really good that happens to be comic booky and then it ends up transcending the medium like like legion is this thing that's clearly has its roots planted comic book arena but it's just a really darn good television show that has these qualities instead of saying we're taking caped spandex people and we're making them say <laughs> bad words so sign on and guess what it might be worth watching too <laughs> well and it, it just it has this again this is where i go both ways because on the one hand it has this feel of the 80s and 90s of comics where everything was edgy for edgy sake and everybody had you know a nine pack they had one extra ab and um as one does yeah and and it's just like it has that feel where it's like edgy for edgy sake. And we've been down that road in comics before and it's not good. But at the same time, I then think, well, but that was when Titans was at its peak. So maybe they understand their sources. So I, I just, I see so much that indicates both good and bad here. And I guess I'm just going to have to watch it and figure it out. I don't know. There it is. That's the, the the definitive thoughts on the DC universe <laughs> streaming I, services here. Well, can I tell you what my my project I'm worried about is because it's not Titans, and then I'll give you my wild card. Go for it. The one I'm worried about, Mitch, is Harley Quinn because I don't feel like we're we about need to more get, of her. I was going to say we're about to be oversaturated and have so much Harley Quinn fatigue. It's going to be unreal. Yeah. So they're they're making they're making Suicide Squad two. She's yes. she's getting her own movie. The Girl Squad movie is um was it Birds of Prey? Yeah, yeah. So they're making the Birds of Prey. Margot Robbie's doing that one as well. And then we're getting uh Harley Quinn inspired animated show for DC Universe. And then I'm sure she's probably going to pop up in some other places as well. Like we're we're going to have a lot and. <laughs> It's safe to assume, especially with DC's track record, that not all of the writing is going to be good. Yeah. And that's just like, I feel like it's a character that, and, and, you know, it's a, she's a lot, she's very much become in the last decade DC's Deadpool. And um, I think that it's a character that in the right hands, can be very creative and you can't really be oversaturated on, but those hands are not everyone's hands. And I think that we're really these days just letting anybody who wants to put a girl in clown makeup, write a Harley Quinn story. And I think that it's just, I think we are oversaturated. So I, I worry about Harley Quinn, my wild card that I think could be a sneaky pick for a great show, but I'd have just a couple of concerns is doom patrol 
Do you familiar at all with Doom Patrol? Okay, yeah. So this one was a little bit new to me, and I haven't researched it as month because as much because I went down the the swamp thing rabbit hole and never came out. Doom Patrol is, um, and I say this as an X Men lover. Doom Patrol is the the comic that X Men was ripping off, um, and Doom Patrol is. I mean, it's it's eerie how similar they are when they, you know, obviously they've both grown into very different properties now, but how similar they are in their inception. Cause there's a bald guy in a wheelchair that assembles a grump, a group of superheroes that are misunderstood and hated by the world and tells them that if we go and help people, they'll start to appreciate us. That's doom patrol slash X-Men. So doom patrol is um, it's, it's kind of going through a Renaissance right now in comics. Um, Oh gosh, I swore I'd get his name right, and then I, I just totally lost it. He was the lead singer for My Chemical Romance, Gerard Way, um, and he is now a bigwig at DC that runs an entire imprint for them. And he wrote uh, a Doom Patrol comic for a little bit that has just been critically beloved. I actually, it's been on my read list for a long time, and I just haven't gotten to it. Um, but Doom Patrol is really undergoing a renaissance, and. There's some interesting casting going on. You've got I, Mr. Bond himself, Timothy Dalton, is in. I was just about to say that the cast is what's intriguing to me because you got Timothy Dalton, Brendan yep. Fraser, Alan yep. Tudyk. That's the exact three that I was looking at, and I'm like, okay, I'm getting interested. Um, the the red flag for me, and I, I hate how much it sounds like I hate this guy when we do this show, Greg Berlanti has a niche to fill, but I just fear that doom patrol. I just think, I think he's going to take, it just takes a certain subtlety that I don't think Berlanti really has. And we talked about him on booster gold. And I feel similarly here that I think Berlanti really owns the CW space. He really owns that after school special thing. And the flash has been fun in his hands. Um, Arrow has been up and down, but I, I think that I just think with Doom Patrol, it's not that he'll do a bad job, but I worry that there's a glass ceiling on how good it can get. Where and I could be way off, but I worry about that when he's involved. Well, history until we see something differently. What we've seen is that Berlanti's great at fusing the OC with lesser popular DC heroes and and making yeah. it into a thing. I'm not. I don't. I don't want the OC or gossip girl in doom patrol. So right. that's the ultimate question is like, is, is he going to be able to break free from that? That's, that's the big thing that has remained unanswered and uh, either regretfully or inevitably will be answered because that's what we're getting. So um, I, I hold out hope that he can, he can, he can branch out a little bit and show that he's versatile. and He's got a little bit more chops there because yeah, he's, he's, he's leaning into what the CW is because the CW is clearly what it is. And, it, yeah. and it's clearly what you need to create there, which is fine. But since that's all we've been given from his menu, I just don't know what the other things taste like. Yeah, I'm with you, right? That's, that's a really good way of putting it. So I, um, and then, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention for everybody on Twitter, because apparently I'm the only person who never watched this cartoon, Young Justice is coming back. And I think that from everything I know about people who like Young Justice, that might be the big credibility moment for the DC Universe service that maybe if we do get a few low quality things you know, maybe Titan stumbles a little out the gates or maybe, maybe doom patrol isn't what it could be. I think a lot of people are going to hang on and be like, yeah, but they were smart enough to get young justice. That cartoon 
I don't know if you've ever watched it. I have not, but it is truly beloved. People go nuts for for Young Justice. Yeah, it's got a massive following, and so if yeah. they've got that entire if they've got that entire backlog, that's that's good. I mean, things like things like the Batman the Animated Series, Young Justice, the Justice League, you know, the, these types of things that are that are pretty well established and beloved. That's all going to be on there. The Christopher yeah. Nolan Batman movies are going to be on there. They better bring the John Wesley ship flashback. But even if they don't, I've got it on DVD. But still, <laughs> it deserves to be seen by people. You know, those sorts of things are going to be out there, and then. And if they've got enough time and they've got enough success, what they can do is they can study the analytics and they can see, okay, this is where our viewership is going. This is the chatter that's going on online. And if maybe we want to reinvent something or add something on, if they want to do a Young Justice reboot, you know, if they want to, you know, those sorts of things, they'll be able to do that based off of the data that they get from their user base if they last long enough to do that. That's what Netflix does. Um so that's another exciting piece. But again, that's an awfully big hopeful piece that's kind of like contingent on them reaching these other milestones first. Yeah, I I think that, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think that there's a lot to be excited about. I think that, I don't know, I just, we'll have to see, you know, we're going to have to subscribe. We're going to have to see what happens. So, so there it is. We we just gave you the definitive feedback on DC Universe and, <laughs> and ultimately decided on. You know what? We're just gonna have to see, y'all. <laughs> that's the sort of that's the sort of groundbreaking thing that we're not afraid to do here on Watching Comics. We we are here literally breaking new ground. So us, all day, every day, th- all day, every day, doing it, doing it well. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. And of course, a massive thank you to the Geek Dad Podcast Network for allowing us to call that place home. It's a lovely home. We love it. Every nook and cranny. It's a good place. And uh, be sure to hit us up on Twitter at Watch Comics Pod. That's comics with an X, Watch Comics Pod. We want to hear from you, your thoughts on DC Universe, and hit us up about Swamp Thing because, as you can tell, we're excited about Swamp Thing. Yeah, I just, uh, like, I'm not going to lie, right before we started recording, I went ahead and hopped on the app for my local library and put every single trade collection of the saga of the Swamp Thing on hold again, because I'm going to reread those suckers. God bless public library. Yes. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.